Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass defect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecule spontaneous combustion, Bam. law of definite proportion, gain, ink weight, I'm every element around. Welcome to Spark Science, where we explore stories of human curiosity. Today we're going to talk about kinesiology. If you don't know what that is, that's okay, stay with us. We will talk with martial arts expert Crew Brook and Western Associate Professor of Biomechanics, June San Juan. Welcome everyone. Thank you. Um, I'm here with my co-host Jordan Baker, improv entertainer and home inspector. Uh, How's it going? Good. Fellow Lindenite, which is also Brooke here, Crew Brook. Yes. Um, and you and have a Linden connection. Right, yeah. loosely affiliated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here to talk about kinesiology. And before we get into really um, the details, let's just go over like some definitions. So, June, would you tell us a good definition of kinesiology, which is on your shirt there? I know, it yeah. is, right? Uh, kinesiology is the study of human motion. And there's different facet of it, and there's different specialization, and biomechanics is one of them. So we talked about exercise physiology, motor control, so there's different, we're looking at the whole body as an organism and how it would move and how we could prevent injury and help individuals. So we're gonna talk a lot about like common injuries, so I'm gonna let Crew Brooke talk about, I'm gonna say, what do you do and what kind of common injuries come up in your work? Well, I'm the owner of a martial arts school in Bellingham. It's pure fitness martial arts, and what we teach is... And, and, and it is where? It's <laughs> 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 at 1801 Ellis Street, yeah. a kitty corner from Keith Cox Audubon. Yeah. Uh, so what we teach is Muay Thai Thai boxing, and we also teach uh, children and boot camps as well for people who are not interested in learning martial arts. They just want to work on strengthening their body and helping themselves get more fit. We teach kids, we teach adults, and I'm proud to say that our, my oldest student is 84 years old. I got a chance to do a private lesson with her and her husband, who's 73 today. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. That's awesome. So what are the common injuries that you see that we maybe we'll go and talk more about later, but just kind of like a preview? What are the, the most common injuries when you practice martial arts? Well, when people first start training martial arts, their previous injuries come out in their training. Mm. So what we try to do is get people to move balanced in their body, their left and their right, um, both their legs, their upper and their lower, and trying to get everything to work together. And a lot of previous injuries surface in doing everyday activities. And some of the common injuries that we see with someone who's gotten more fit, they've become more strong, would be uh, muscle pulls, their nutrition is not necessarily up to snuff that week and they accidentally roll an ankle or they hit a pad or a bag incorrectly and they strain their wrist. Um, so those are pretty like common. you a hot pocket or something one day instead of a salad you could roll an ankle? Uh, progressively over time, yes. Hot pockets. Right. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, whoa. Like rolling an ankle is associated with bad eating. Like. Um, so what, uh, <laughs> generally speaking, let's say you're eating really, really well, all of a sudden you don't drink enough water today. I had six cups of coffee. You know, you had a bad day at work. And then the next day you skip a meal because you didn't have time. Okay, the next day you did get your water and then you went out with your buddies and you had a couple beers after class. Okay, and then the next day you do something else and then boom, you roll your ankle. Oh man, it's bad luck. Not really. You kind of depleted your body over what it really needs to be able to do this extra physical activity. If you don't do martial arts, if you don't do sports, if you don't work out, if you have a sedentary life, you don't necessarily move that much, you can kind of get away with 
having a hot pocket, having a beer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can maintain that lifestyle. And then all of a sudden you say, I'm going to go do 50 round kicks. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <You know? laughs> then your body's not going to be ready for that. So you need to kind of change how you eat a little bit to prepare yourself for that type of exertion and exercise. I, I'm going to take rolling an ankle and I'm going to move it to Professor San Juan here. And and so that that's probably a common injury with running, which you talk about a lot. And do, so can you can you kind of let our listeners and viewers kind of know what you do at Western yeah. and then also go into maybe running common injuries because mm -hmm. that's all kind of linked together. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a associate professor in the Department of Health and Human Development. So we just changed our name. It used to be Physical Education, Health and Recreation. Yeah. So in terms of what I do here is so I do research looking at injury prevention and rehab, looking at both upper extremity and lower extremity. And one of the re main research I'm looking at is running-related injuries. Surprisingly, though, ankle sprains is not one of them. Wow. It's not a common running-related injury. Huh. You see more of ankle sprains when you're doing basketball. There's a lot of jumping and landing, volleyball. So those are more common injuries to those sports. With running, because especially with long-distance runners, you see more of like a stress fracture or an anterior knee pain. So that's kind of like more of the common injuries that we see with, with runners. Yeah, my husband tries to run and he rolls his ankle like all the time though. So. I'm trying to teach him how to rerun. Yeah. <laughs> he's not running. We're actually, so later on in the show, we're gonna you know, go and, and kind of pull, put away this table and kind of, sh you can show us some good form, but uh -huh. so maybe he doesn't have good form. Yeah. I love in terms that. of, yeah, in terms of ankle injuries, usually, one of the most common thing that happens is they have instability of the ligaments, you know. So if their ligaments are not stable, it's not going to provide stability to the joint, then there's going to be a lot of movement in different planes of the body, and that's why they get injured. Mm. And, and maybe, maybe he should stop, like, being so aggressive towards, like, street signs and, like, <laughs> yeah. bobbing and weaving. He does not yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. He might. Yeah, I'm not you don't there. Know. Do you watch him? <laughs> no, I don't. Because I don't go out and run. That's right. crazy. That is crazy. There you go. I don't know. I, I always like to start our show, too, uh, with, like, how did somebody get into the field that they're in? So I don't know who wants to go first, talk about how, how did it happen? Sure. When I was in high school, I was an athlete, you know, so I grew up in the Philippines. And for being a Filipino, my height, I'm tall, you know, so I was playing center. And then I went to college and really didn't get any taller. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I think I'm going to give up being an athlete and then just continue on with doing some sports science or athletic training. And that's how it started. And then now it's just like continued into, oh, I'm really enjoying this. I think I'm just going to get my PhD and try to uh, teach and influence. I just you know. think I'll get my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of like the yeah. history behind it. I just love how you said how you're like, you felt really tall and then you just stopped growing. Because I, um, I was in sixth grade with Jordan. Were we in the same sixth grade as well? Mm -hmm. Were we in the same class? We were all in the same sixth grade class. And I stopped growing that year. And I remember people like, you're so tall. I was like this height, like in sixth grade. <laughs> and I thought, I thought more would happen. I know, right? And <laughs> then it stopped growing. It didn't happen. <laughs> I stopped playing basketball that year too. <laughs> I don't have that problem. No, you, no. you were way later, <laughs> I was like, right? yeah, I was... Yeah, just kept I going. was five foot until I graduated high school, and then I grew a foot and a half. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so um, I know a little bit about your background, Brooke, but how did you get into martial arts specifically? I loved watching martial arts movies, and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, was uh, one of my favorite actors at the time. 
I was out with a friend uh, walking around downtown and I happened to see a martial arts school and I stopped in there and just I just poked my head in just for a second just to see what was going on. It was a very, very traditional martial arts school, very, very quiet. Um, I think they were meditating at the time and I kind of poked my head in and, and then I left and one of the, what I assume is a senior student had um, gotten the sensei's attention and I was instantly intimidated. Very large Caucasian man, lots of chest hair, and uh, said, come to my office and I was like, okay. So I went in and I sat down and he says, why'd you come in here? And I said, uh, I, 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 I don't really know. And long story short, he intimidated me, put me in a joint lock and said, this is what we do and it'll be good for you. And I said, like, I'm out of here. In your initial meeting. meeting. You're like, I'm, I'm gonna, this is like, <laughs> he is sitting there, I'm sitting here. And he says, this is what we do and puts me in some gooseneck. And I said, that hurts. I'm leaving. So I did and um, kept walking down the street and kind of stopped at another place. And then I walked into Total Confidence Martial Arts and another Sifu walked up to me and shook my hand, looked me in my eye and said, what brings you in today? And I said, well, I like kickboxing. And I said, well, that's great. And then I started doing classes there and lost a bunch of weight. And my confidence went through the roof and um, I ended up staying. A couple years later, they hired me as front desk. A couple years later, they hired me as an instructor. And then here we are 17 years later and now I get a chance to operate and own my own school and give back to my community what was given to me. Have you ever thought about going back to that first guy and putting him in a gooseneck? Like, <laughs> ripping out some chest me? hair or something? <laughs> Do you remember me? Uh, you know, no, I've never thought that ever. Is that, um, guy, is that guy still around? Yeah. I think that their facility has moved and that student that got up now owns his own school here in town. Um, so he also teaches martial arts too, so I'm not sure where his sensei is, but I would never go back and say, look at me now. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to say, look at me now. Just <laughs> <laughs> blindside him. You did this to me. As a student of yours now, I totally respect how like awesome you are at kind of helping people with their confidence, but also helping people with not getting injured. Like when we're in class, you're like, hey, hey, don't do that. You know, like, right. don't do that. Um, so I want to talk about uh, maybe we can go around the table about like maybe some injury we all got from some um, event and how do you avoid those injuries? Okay. I don't know, Jordan, have you ever gotten an injury from anything uh, athletic? Anything athletic? No. Yeah. All accidental. It was all mostly <laughs> accidental. Uh, yeah. uh, one injury I had was in gym uh, in eighth grade. Okay, that's and, athletic. And I was running across to the other side of the basketball and instead of just stopping my like this I put my fists out like this to stop myself and I broke uh, right there I do want to talk about the idea of when you are doing martial arts and you hold your punches like how do you hold your hands and what's like the appropriate way to hold it I know like you putting your thumb here putting your thumb here like just don't strike me many yeah. different martial arts will have a different um, way that they hold their hands based on if they're a hard style or a soft style okay um, Muay Thai is a hard style it's combat there are weight classes. It's not necessarily uh, something soft like Wing Chun, where it's based on structure. There's no weight classes in Wing Chun. It's primarily for self-defense only. A good way or a good rule of thumb in any kind of a martial art or any kind of striking is, is if you can make a full fist and if you can't see your nails and you're not white knuckling, then, white knuckling, then yeah. you've got some structure. Any time that you hold your fist super duper tight mm. and then you contract all the muscles in your forearm, you create a lot of tension and then upon impact you'll create more tension and then something might release, meaning some kind Splits. of a tear or a pull or something like that. 
So you just want to make sure that your fist has form and that you're hitting with a strong contact surface. And I don't think I'm doing it right. You must hold your fingers <laughs> like this. No, just kidding. <laughs> if you put your thumb it's inside, like a bear claw if you put your thumb inside of your hand you and you break your thumb, right? it well, it'll hurt a lot. Great. Yeah. And hopefully you won't hit anything that hard. You can't actually make a strong fist if you put your thumb inside. If you squeeze your own thumb right now, you'll feel some tension inside of one of your knuckles, and it's not very structurally sound. Mm. Um, anytime you put a finger in between another finger, another finger, it's it's not going to be very very sound. So fingers have to be outside. Um, so it's <laughs> yeah. best if you can curl your fingers inside and take your thumb and cover your index and your middle finger for. Uh, general boxing or Muay Thai purposes. If it were a soft style like Wing Chun, it would be different because you take a hard target like your hand and you hit something soft. So the science of what she, uh, what Krubrook is saying is all like, uh, what, what do you have? It's physics. Like, it's you physics. Yeah. This, no, right? I can't. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, this is a finger bone. I don't, I don't know, any, I don't know no. anything about the human body. See, yeah. I think that's that's the key with what we teach in our department is that the tie between physics, and that's biomechanics, physics and biology. And just the reason for that is you want to increase the surface area, right? So if you increase the surface area that you're hitting, then you're dissipating that force. Right. Right. That's true. Because huh? pressure is equal it's to impulse. force over area. So that's really important that you want to increase the surface area when you're when you're hitting. So uh, June, is there an injury that uh, you have had that your work has helped you kind of get through it? <laughs> Not, not currently though, but when I was in high school playing basketball, then ankle injury. Yeah, so I probably twisted my ankle. And yeah. lately though, no, probably I'm not just doing more. Don't Maybe. eat those, those hot pockets. <laughs> right, yeah don't, yeah. Eat, don't eat a hot pocket. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get sued. Never, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to sponsor us. No, it's fine. What about your injuries? Anything? Yeah, actually. So I, um, when I started, Crew Brooks um, Studio opened last uh, May. And my knee, my left knee, like um, it just got worse and worse and I couldn't hop on it anymore. There was like, we were talking about round kicks and we have to do these round kicks very fast. It's kind of like the can-can. Like if anyone knows, <laughs> no one under the age of like 30, like, like dun, 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 dun. Like we, it's basically, so this round kick is like, like the can-can and right. I can't, and only do it on one side because my knee can't handle it. If I do it kicking my right hand, um, leg and bouncing on my left, it just doesn't work. And and like for a month it was hurting and I couldn't do anything and I didn't, I don't know how to avoid that. I was twisting my <laughs> knee a lot, I think. I don't know. Some of the things that you can do to avoid um, those types of injuries are to make sure that you're actually pivoting when you're doing a kick. Yeah, I don't do that. Um, my, this is actually leading Stay into, planted. this is leading into my injury yeah. back. I had my second competition. I was fighting. We had a 160 pound weight class and in that weight class way back then, it was really hard to find girls, um, in our fighting category because there weren't very many. So the girl I had to fight was 5'10 and I'm five, nothing. What we did is, is we went out to the ring and we got in the ring and felt it, it was super slick. Um, it was wet. It was super soft. And so we thought, all right, we're going to put resin down and you're gonna put your feet on that to make them sticky and I made oh. the worst mistake ever. I looked at her leg before I kicked it and I committed 100%. Don't ever commit 100%. Don't look where you're gonna hit first and never plant. I did all of those things and she moved her leg. And, and on a sticky floor. Well, the, the ring was slick and my foot was totally planted and so I planted, I went to go kick her leg and she moved it and my entire body kept moving except for my planted leg and I tore my ACL right there. Yeah. The only show that my mom came to see and <laughs> that was it. And she was happy that it wasn't my very expensive braced up teeth. 
So one of the ways that you can prevent those types of injuries is making sure that your body is in proper alignment, that you never commit 100% when you're fighting somebody. <laughs> but when you're working on a bag or you're doing this for fitness, one of the things that we teach is, is making sure that if you do not have the ability to pivot due to weakness in your calf or your ankle, that you actually place your foot in the position of already being pivoted before you kick so we can prevent those things from happening in the future. Right. And then when people get tired, they lose their focus, they stop pivoting, we have to verbally remind them we've got to pivot that foot, pivot that foot, and get yeah. the least amount of friction as possible so that you don't have that, that shearing and against that's what your was tendons. happening. I was, I was twisting weird. I, this is a great segue. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we're going to have this table be gone and we're going to actually show these these movements that we're talking about and June you can show us like proper running position and proper kind of alignment both of you can kind of help us with that sounds great awesome If you're just joining us, this is Spark Science. I'm Regina Barber DeGraff, and today we are talking about kinesiology with Crew Brook and Dr. June San Juan. You were talking about alignment of body. So, like, if you are running, how should your body be aligned? And then we'll talk about if you're, like, let's say, doing a, like a round kick or something. How should your body be aligned? Because those are the two things we were talking about. I think the most important thing, and this is what we see with runners, is alignment of the knee to the toes. So we kind of want it to be aligned so when you are on that stance phase or when you're accepting that weight, you want it to be aligned to your toes. And you see a lot of people that when they are running and they're on that stance phase that their knee is going to be pointing in. And we kind of call that the valgus joint position. Is that bad? Yeah, it is bad. So, <laughs> it's like, got a name like Valgus. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what Burke was saying earlier with ACL, that's the most common mechanism of injury or the position of the knee when you have an ACL tear, and usually ACL tear is a non-contact injury, and that's when you have your knee in valgus. So if you're looking at that, that's in valgus, okay. and oh, that yeah. would predispose you into tearing your, your ligament on the knee, which is the anterior crochet ligament or the ACL. So you kind of want it to be more aligned to, the, to your toes. Huh. So when you're looking at the side, you don't want your need to be ahead of your toes oh because now you're using a lot of your quadriceps muscle which are the muscles on the front of your thigh and so you want it to be again behind or even in line with the ankle if you can so that you're like using ankle straight up yeah okay so you're using more of your hip muscles like your glute max which is a really big muscle so when you're trying to propel forward yeah <laughs> mine's not at all yeah so those are kind Built of like the key mechanics that you look for which is surprisingly those are controlled by the hip stability so mm. if your hip muscles are weak then even if you're trying to put your form to be on that same plane you can't maintain it because you're just going to go back to going in what about so is this linked to my problem when i was doing round kicks and my was my knee inward too much possibly for most people, our concern when we start teaching round kicks is making sure that they don't have a flat foot. Ah. Not only that, that their entire body turns together as a unit, 
You never want your upper body to go one way and your hips to go the other. You can give yourself um, some low back pain if you throw your arm down when you're going to do a round kick. I do that. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> there are some styles that do that on purpose, you know, from training in the ocean. Yeah. One of the things that's really important is the setting up in your stance and making sure that you're aligned properly. Yeah, let's see a round kick. And, can, we, can you do one? Uh, yeah, with all of this there. stuff on, I could probably <laughs> like break right your there, mic. Right you. <laughs> yeah. So first things first is, is you want to make sure that your shoulders and your hips and your knees are all in a line. For some people, they end up uh, being splayed out too much. Mm. Uh, they have kind of an obtuse stance. Like frog this legs. This knee is popped out a little bit. And so what's most important is, is making sure that you have all of your hard parts pointing forward because it is a combat style, but also so that it's going to be easier for you to pivot. If my body is open this way and I want to kick this way, it's going to be really hard for my leg to travel. And that's going to be a lot of strain on my knee and a lot of strain on my oblique to try to bring all of that, that meat around. Oh, okay. oh yeah. So right. what we want to do is, is make sure that really everything good. is in alignment, not only for your punches, but also so that this is the direction that you're going to go when you run. This is the direction that you should go when you're fighting. Okay. So when you go to do a round kick, it's really, really important that you have some pivoting that's happening on, on the that ball front of, leg, on your front leg, on the yeah. ball of your foot, if you're going to be kicking with your back leg. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is having balance, but maintaining a pivot in your ball of your foot and a pivot in your knee and making sure that your whole body moves together as a unit. That's what's going to help save you from injury. And I remember, uh, June, we, we, in previous talks, we were talking about staying on, on your front of your foot mm -hmm. when you're running. So, like, can you tell me more about that? So there's different ways of initial contact with running. So usually with running, when you're contacting, there's three different positions. So either you strike with your heel first, which is kind of like the um, heel strike, and then you could either do it midfoot or you could do it forefoot striking. So that's, those are the different initial contact patterns that we have for running. There is a fad right now because of the Born to Run book that they're saying that it's better to run barefoot. Yeah. And when you're running barefoot, it's really hard to run barefoot when you're hitting your heel first. So that's why a lot of people are doing tippy toe running or you're going to be on your forefoot when you're running. Problem that we see with that though with forefoot running is just you're changing now. It's just a different mechanics and if your body's not used to it, then you'll have different injuries based on that. Yeah. So I'm no, not a big proponent of it. The faster you go though, if you look at 100 meter sprinter, they're going to be more on their toes, but they're only running for 100 meters. Right, right? That, was, that was gonna be one of my questions yeah. is that for the 100 meters, they're gonna be mostly on their toes, yeah. but for distance runners, do they typically because they're going for such a long time that they have to kind of preserve their body. It, when I was working physical therapy clinic, what we do is we don't change your pattern if it's not, that's not really causing the injury. Mm -hmm. So if you're a heel striker or that rear foot striker and that's not really causing the pain on your knee, then we're not going to change it, right? right. But if that is the cost, then we have to kind of look into, okay, maybe you want to be more of a midfoot or forefoot striker. For example, a four-foot striker, since they're always on their tippy toes, then they're contracting their calves or their gastrocs, so there's going to be a lot of Achilles tendon pain. Mm -hmm. So if it's an Achilles tendon pain, then we have to change or we have to shift that, or maybe we have to strengthen those muscles. Maybe that's why it's happening. Mm -hmm. If it's a four-foot striker, maybe there's more shin splints or maybe more stress fracture on the tibia, then we might Where's have the tibia. So the tibia is on the shin. <laughs> so the tibia is on the shin. In biomechanics, we call it the shank, oh. um, which a lot of my students laugh at me when I say shank. Is that uh, because of previous butcher? Is that yeah. why? Yeah, yeah, there you go. You, you know, the shank. Yeah. Excellent. So that, those are some of the reasons why we have to change the mechanics. But really, if it's not causing the injury, we don't have to change it. 
we have to really look for the ones that's causing the injury, then that's where we're going to be focusing on. So that's what you mean by you're not like really an advocate for this born to run thing because you think it's it's individual and it's not yeah. like a blanket like mm-hmm. everyone should be yep. running barefoot. Yep, because okay. when that started, the five-toed shoes, very, very popular because of that because now they're trying to everywhere. force you. Yeah, they're going to force you to be a four-foot striker. But if you're not a four-foot striker and then you start doing 10 miles on that five-toed shoes, then you're going to get injured. You know, you have to do it gradually and progressively. When you were talking about forefoot striking and heel striking, is there something, I know it's bad to say there's a blanket statement, but is there something about like aligning your body and like how do you do that properly in any part, like running or any other kind of sport or martial arts? Mm -hmm. I think Brooke kind of talked about a little bit that trying to make everything point to where you're going, right? And especially with pivoting, it's hard to pivot when you're pivoting on your heels or you're pivoting flat feet, right? So you have to be on the balls of your foot and you really need to face where you're going and your body needs to move. So you're thinking of an entire movement of the body, not just one part of it, right? Because if this moves and you're leaving this, and that's kind of what's happening with um, ACL is they're cutting and then when they move, they're moving and then this is also moving and then now the foot is left pointing there but you're going here so there's a lot of stress on that ligament the acl which is going going to get injured so we've been talking a lot about like the bottom part of our bodies is there anything about the top part of our bodies like arms and back and all that kind of stuff that like common injuries that come up and stuff that we can kind of show better alignment i mean i i'm at the computer all the time right so i'm like we see it a lot in class people have shoulder injuries upper neck headaches um, migraines and we are stuck like this, like this. Yeah. or we're this or we're doing this and so you get a lot of people with really tight chests and like they yeah <laughs> and uh, so their chest becomes very tight and it kind of pulls everything forward right. um, and then as far as martial arts then we ask them to use their arms well their shoulder kind of comes out of their socket and this becomes overworked then we are stressed so here in america where we hold our stress it's all right here for some reason it's in your face it's in your back it's in your neck and then we kind of end up with these caved in chest, shoulders in our ears, constantly having to tell ourselves to relax. And so in boxing, uh, kickboxing sometimes, what you'll see is is you'll have some shoulder injuries. And um, one easy thing that you can do to help remedy that is is to massage these guys out. In the front, um, so the, the muscles right in, right below your neck, like in the right, top part so of your, your chest. So your pectoral um, connects into your shoulder. Mm. And sometimes people think, oh, it's just my deltoid that's injured or it's just my rotator cuff. And sometimes it's their latissimus which is from the back, which connects up into their I shoulder. The I've never <laughs> heard that. Sometimes my delts really just killing me. That's yeah. right. Or your, your trapezius or your pectorals, they all connect into this very complicated joint. But one of the common things that we see because we're so bent forward all the time in our cars and our desks is that we see really tight chests. And so if you can massage these guys out and work with the fascia, which is a very thin uh, membrane that helps to keep tissues together, sometimes that gets hardened and calcified. And so if you can massage that and get it to open, then you can alleviate a lot of these types of pains. Um, Same thing with your upper back and your lower back as well. Good thing is shoulder is my primary line of research. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most common, yeah, one of the most common injuries to the shoulder is shoulder impingement. So shoulder impingement is when the structure is underneath. So we have this scapula, the shoulder blade, and when the structure is underneath that acromion is getting impinged. So one of the most common result of that is because you're using a lot of your upper trapezius. 
you know. So your upper trapezius is a muscle that attaches here too. So for our listeners, just like the muscle right below the ears, kind of like yeah. So it go goes to the base of your skull, okay. and then it goes to the clavicle, and then when they get tight, that's why it goes forward. That's why, and hunch. that's why, yep, when you're typing over time. And the reason why you're getting tension headaches is because they attaches to the base of your skull. So if you are using a lot of your upper trapezius, what's going to happen is now that pain is going to radiate up into your head. Oh my God. So <laughs> <laughs> one of the studies we are trying to figure out is how can we avoid that? Mm -hmm. So we're using electromyography or EMG, which is very similar to EKG technology. So we use sensors, we put it on the muscles. So the main muscles we're looking at are the upper trapezius and the lower trapezius. So the lower trapezius is more here at the bottom of your scapula. And we want that to work more because it's going to pull your shoulders back and in. Oh. So we look at different exercises. We use that by feedback. They look at the screen and they do very simple exercises. We call it IWTY for lack of terms. So give us some of those simple I exercises. Just, you're going to be like here, like it. a letter I, and then you're going to pull your shoulders back, oh, right? So it's I more retraction. Yeah, now. so you're getting that <laughs> retraction. And then oh. we have W would be your like a letter W and then you're pulling it down and you're trying. Oh. So the goal is we're, they're looking at the screen. They're trying to limit the activation of their upper trapezius and then um, T and then Y. So we do those exercises. So T is like. T is, T like, is more right like, here in the start and then you just open it. Welcome. Right. Welcome. There you go. Welcome. Or here's yep. stuff on a table. There you go. Right. <laughs> okay. Because if you're using a lot of your upper traps, then you're going to be getting the motion from here instead of that lower trapezius. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is Y. Why? Like the YMCA. Yep. There you go. Dance. Yep. Mm -hmm. Close. <laughs> two, two out so, of four. Yeah. Interestingly, we found in this study, and we just published that recently, we found that if you do that exercises and you really concentrate on targeting your lower trapezius, we saw that the scapula, instead of going, because when your scapula is forward, which is we called anteriorly tilted, and that's internally rotated, and then downwardly rotated, it increases the space of the subacromion. Is that the shoulder? So the subacromion, so is it okay if I yeah, yeah. show it? So it's right in here. <laughs> okay. This space is really small. It's around 6 to 14 millimeters. So it's just, just under the, yep. like, the shoulder part. Uh -huh. just under so that. what we want is we want to pull that. That's why a good posture, right, they always say, is pull your shoulders back, oh, right? My mom would constantly slap my back. Because yep, it increases <laughs> that subacromial space. And so that's what we saw. If we do those huh. exercises, you kind of move your shoulders a little bit more towards the back so it's externally rotated and eventually could avoid shoulder impingement because eventually if, if you don't get that shoulder impingement taken care of it could lead to rotator cuff tears so these small exercises that you just showed us do those really help people if they're already kind of they're hunching a lot it's it's kind of already kind of bad and they've been doing this as a habit their whole yeah. life and they're like in their mid-30s mm -hmm. i'm especially talking about myself if, especially <laughs> if you're always in front of a computer right yeah. over time you're good at the computer and then over time and after like 20 minutes you go this and then right. if you, you take a break hunch. you just like try to pull your shoulders back right so, so it's good to like do those little exercises maybe yeah. a couple times a day yeah. yeah yeah it's just to keep reminding yourself that you have to pull your shoulders back and yeah and that's kind of what we found is that 
keep your shoulders back, there's really a reason why you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just your mom yelling at you. No. Okay. <laughs> I find when I have like better posture, like everything just feels better. You can yeah. breathe yeah. deeper mm -hmm. and it yeah. feels right. But then no, it after is true, a while, though. you're just like. Yeah. If you're going to be pulling your shoulders in, it decreases the space where your lungs could move, mm. right? So if you pull your shoulders back, you're increasing your thoracic volume. So now your lungs could really expand bigger. That's awesome. We're gonna kind of finish up here. This will be one of my last questions. Usually every one of my guests, I like to ask them a certain question and it's, how is your field represented in popular culture? So is mm -hmm. it good, is it bad? Either one can go first. Everyone knows what the UFC is. I don't know. Everybody knows. <laughs> oh, the um, ultimate fighting. The ultimate fighting, okay. yeah. Dana White, the whole the whole nine yards. And I think that's kind of the, the largest representation of martial arts right now and it's sad because okay. that's not what martial arts is. Martial right. arts is working on your spirit and martial arts is working on cultivating confidence within yourself and challenging yourself physically, not just trying to throw things harder and faster and getting out there and making money. The science and the art is kind of being thrown into uh, this pool of anybody can do any kind of fighting of any time and that would be the biggest representation of martial arts right now and uh, luckily there are women you know because I'm a woman and I do martial arts who are now in the UFC which are helping to motivate other women to do martial arts which I think is great I think a couple of years ago Jackie Chan and uh, Jet Li were really big martial artists you know after Jean-Claude Van Damme and kind of those Wing Chun movies and those old kung fu movies with the white beard are kind of dying off unfortunately and now it's being replaced with with this and so hopefully within our school we're trying to bring back a modern tradition to martial arts so that it's a little bit more welcoming for everyone you don't have to have a shaved head and tattoos on your face you know you can be you know, uh, a professor like at Western, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you could be a butcher just, or an ex-butcher. That's right. That is so not what it's I like. Hopefully, we can represent it a little bit better now yeah. and make it a little bit more welcoming because anybody can do it with the right training and the right environment. That's awesome. That's what we try to do with science with this show. We just try to show that anyone can do, or anyone at least can be interested in science, and it's not mm -hmm. its not just for a certain kind of person. Yeah. Right? Wait, is that why I'm here? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kinesiology. Yeah, it's fairly new. Not too many people know kinesiology, probably. You know, you guys, it's the first time you heard of kinesiology. True. I think there is a, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and there is really a big push. And, and really, kinesiology you could name it also as exercise science or sports science because there's different different um, specialization within it. And I could talk about biomechanics since that's my field. And interestingly, you probably don't know that some of our kinesiology majors or exercise science majors, they go work in the motion industry or the motion... Capture you, industry? Yeah, you like motion in, capture, yeah. Yeah, in like movies like Gollum and, yep. and uh -huh. Lord so of the Rings, okay. The, the technology that they're using are really based from what we do with study of human body, where they put markers on the bony landmarks and they want to see, and as you could see now, like Avatar is a good example, Lord of the Rings, their movement are really precise and accurate. And that that's because of the technology that we're using. So it's just a different field. You're not doing any increased performance or decreasing injury. So it's more of that in motion. So I think it's increasing in terms of people knowing more about kinesiology. A lot of people are getting involved with sports, you know, with different martial arts. So they're thinking about how can we decrease this injury? And so they go back into reading some kinesiology books. So it's really helpful in terms of getting exposure to kinesiology, to the field of biomechanics. 
That's awesome. I want to thank you both for coming here and thank you, Jordan, as well, and yeah. our standing up. <laughs> um, but thank you for coming and thank you for showing us everything and for us not to get those common injuries. And that's really helpful for me. Thank you for joining us. You just heard our interview with Dr. June San Juan, professor in kinesiology at Western Washington University, and Crew Brook, a Thai kickboxing coach in Bellingham, Washington. If you missed any of the show, go to our website, sparksciencenow.com, or go to kmre.org and click on the podcast link. We'll be back again next week. Listen to us on 102.3 FM in Bellingham or kmre.org, streaming on Sundays at 5 p.m., Thursdays at noon, and Saturdays at 3 p.m. If there's a science idea you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Sparks Science. This is an all-volunteer-run show, so if you want to help us out, go to sparksciencenow.com and click on Donate. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Blackalicious and Wonderland by Janelle Monet. Today's episode was recorded at Western Washington University in the Digital Media Center. Our producer is Suzanne Blaze. Our engineer for today is Natalie Moore and the DMC crew. Special thanks to Western Washington University, Pure Fitness Martial Arts in Bellingham, and the Kinesiology Department. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap your thing, iodine, nitrate, activate. Red uranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They could explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground.